Hello, hello, it's Heather. Uh, Just dropping in before the episode to share an event that's coming up. A friend and former guest, Lee Hopkins, is putting on an event in February. So I just wanted to share a little bit about that with you. Have you ever heard of the old saying, you must love yourself before you can love anyone else? Yeah, it's pretty common, right? People a lot of times will share this as the ultimate friendship and relationship advice, but most of the time they don't give us any guidance on how to love yourself, which can leave people feeling uh, defensive, like it was their fault that the friendships and relationships failed, or it leaves us with more questions than answers. Like, how do I love myself? What are the steps? Where do I even get started? So welcome to 2023, where we do love ourselves, and Lee is going to help you know how. He created this event. It's a three-day virtual conference, Love Yourself First, How to Develop Supportive Friendships and Meaningful Relationships. The conference takes place February 10th through February 12th, 2023, and this is a virtual conference where you'll learn secrets to loving yourself so that you can create lasting connections that will enrich your life. Tickets are on sale now. Uh, you can use Diversity on Fire's promo code, Diversity Special, all one word. Um, or you can go to the show notes, which I'll have links that you can click on that will bring you directly to the sales page. Uh, you can also head on over to Diversity on Fire's Instagram, click on our bio, and I have a link tree in there that will include information about the event. This event has several guest speakers that will be on on tap and a wealth of knowledge for us to learn how to start 2023 off on the best foot possible, loving ourselves. I travel the world. I know there's a lot of countries that would love to have what Haiti has, but then unfortunately they don't. And then we were blessed. We blessed with those. Welcome back to another episode of Diversity on Fire. This is your host, Heather. The goal with Diversity on Fire is to inspire you to think more openly, consider new perspectives, so we can all set fire to the negative bias and rise from those ashes to create a more informed and inclusive world together. We hope to achieve this by sharing our open conversations on all types of diversity-related topics. Today, I am joined by Fritznell Oktav. Fritznell is a highly educated veteran journalist, author, business leadership coach, among many other things. His book is titled Haiti Between Pestilence and Hope, The Progressive Ideals from the Revolution of 1804 Set the Pace. Through this book, as well as other works, Fritznell is giving us an inside look at the history of Haiti so we can better understand the country and its people. Welcome to the show, Fritznell. Thank you. Thank you uh, for having me, Heather. It's a pleasure to be with you in the sh- on the show. I am very excited, as I previously mentioned before we hit record. Very excited to have you. I, I like to start, there's a couple common questions that I like to start with. So the first, the name of the show, of course, is Diversity on Fire. So I'd like to hear what diversity means to you. How do you define it and how it's affected your life? This is a good question because um, a lot of time when uh, people talk about the diversity, they see it in, in terms of, you know, a bunch of different ethnic groups, you know, clouding together. So to me, seeing uh, diversity or diversity, you have to see it in the perspective of inclusion, not just a bunch of people or different, you know, people group we gather together. You know, it's not like a, 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 a meeting or a, a reunion or a group of, you know, 
uh, you know, social event or whatever kind of event, and you have a bunch of different type of people gathered together. But if you have that aspect and then you don't have the inclusions, like have them totally, completely involved in what's going on, say there's no diversity for me. That's my, my, my take on diversity. That's how I see it. It's, yeah, we may be well. We we are different. We may be different. We 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 and we we live in, in the same space, or we 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 when we working in the same in the same company, and we 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 going to the same church, or so or we 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 different and different aspects of life. But the, the mere presence doesn't mean anything if every aspect of what going on in that specific environment. Does it um, make you feel like you're part of it? What's going on? Either you know involve you, involve you in every shape or form, in every way of this structure or organizations or actions and everything that's going on. It's like you know inviting you to the party, but then not inviting you to the dance. So you you if you're not if if you're not if you if you just come in as you present in the party, but you're not allowed to dance. <laughs> Diversity make no make no sense at that level. That's fantastic. And this has actually come up. This has been a very common response to this question recently is the the tightness of diversity and inclusion and 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 the importance of of those being very well tied together. So the the second question I always ask everyone is if you can share with us a little bit about your backstory, so your personal backstory. The reason why we like to do this is because it gives everyone a little bit of an idea of where Fritz Nell comes from and where your perspectives might have started. So can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing, family dynamics, cultural, religious, all those things? I, I often uh, uh, you know, get to address that question um, almost everywhere I go. Um, one thing I always tell people, my story, my backstory is the Haitian backstory. Because I feel like there's nothing that happened uh, in Haiti that my life, you know, doesn't touch my life in one way or the other. I, I was born and raised in a very, I'd say, remote area, village, um, close, uh, close to Cuba. It's about 70 miles away across the ocean to Cuba. Uh, this place called uh, Bombadopolis, which is a section of the uh, northwestern pen- peninsula of Haiti, uh, Mount Saint Nicolas. That's the place where Christopher Columbus landed the first time when so-called discovering America, the Americas. So I said remote, not because of distance. Remote because of lack of infrastructure. This, at some point when I was growing up, Back in the early 80s, there were no basic government service available, okay? We're talking about woods. We're talking about running waters. We're talking about electricity. We're talk- even, even school, if it was not for um, nonprofit organizations like uh, the, the, the faith-based organizations, churches, um, Catholic, Protestants alike, you probably, I probably would be one of those who, who um, didn't have the privilege to, to know how to read and write because there was no 
government school. I mean, no public school available in my area. So it's about 100, 100, give and take 155 to 160 miles away from the main capital, you know, the main city, very part of Prince, the capital city. But, you know, in the context of the U.S., 160 miles away is like you, you, you snap your finger, right? You are, and then you're rich. But in Haiti, that can take you uh, hours, hours. I'm talking about six, seven, eight hours from Port-au-Prince to drive. You know, if you're lucky enough to have a, like a four-by-four four, uh, type of SUV, and then you drive, you, you drive up. And then to get that six, seven hours. So it was very difficult. I mean, I, I used just, just to illustrate how difficult it was when I was growing up uh, for kids to really aspire, to really inspire uh, to a greater things in life than what you see in the environment. It's just uh, a plain undeveloped scale of environment with no, no human, you know, socioeconomic infrastructure in place for you to um, to think that, okay, you know, this, when I grow up, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. You, do, you see anything else other than, okay, your parents go to the farms and then you follow them if there is no school and you do the same thing they're doing and then you don't see life away from that, okay? So, but thanks God, with the, uh, for those uh, NGOs, mainly those uh, um, Protestant missions from North America. Um, I'm, I'm talking about U.S. and Canada, especially. You will have from time to time, you will have them some short-term missions, and then you have long-term missions. You have people that will live there, the, some pastors, some evangelical, that will live there for years, living the same kind of life, like, uh, very humble and, uh, and I would say the type of life people in the area are living um, so they can serve them because they were in need. So I, 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 I will live and grow up in this kind of environment and go to a Protestant school from a very young age because most of the time when your parents go, into, go to the, the farm, work the farms and do this or it's really women... The, the, the moms, they will go to the marketplace to, to sell, um, you know, sell crops and stuff and trying to, you know, take care of uh, the, 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 the house, the domestic um, duties. And then the father will, you know, all the men will go to the farms and plot the land and do this and do gardening, gardening, you know, uh, do uh, 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 all kind of farming. Um, so in any kids, you, will, you may be very young, but you go to school, um, and even though if you don't know what co- school means, really, but and that's a choice you will have instead of staying, home, staying at the house, and so you go, you know, all the kids take the, the youngest, and we uh, walk uh, kilometers, crossing um, um, hills, you know, valleys, and go up and down and find where they have this basic infrastructure where they, the school the school is uh, schooling is taking place um, to try to stay there until certain time when parents come home. So it'll be like that, you know, 
years after years as you're growing up until you reach to a point where um, there's not enough grade level for your schooling anymore in the area, and then you move to a bigger city if your parents um, can send you, if, if the economic or you know, financial possibility allows them to send you, and then you go. So that's how I get to Port-au-Prince at age 12, leaving okay. my parents behind, and then um, about 160 miles away, and then we we'll move to Port-au-Prince in, 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 in quest for better educations, you know, to go to, you know, from middle school up, going to high school, and then later on, I, I attended the uh, state university for my undergrad studies. And then from there, I became a, a journalist, I became a reporter, I had the, the opportunity to, to study abroad, I studied in Jamaica, I studied in, in England, um, went back to Haiti, um, continued working, and at some point, all those uh, uh, political uh, um, instabilities and you know, lack of opportunities and all this um, pushing me to look for better opportunities while here in the U.S. And that's how I left uh, Haiti. Uh, but really, really, is at a larger extent, it's really the political uh, violence in, in where you cannot do your job, and especially as a journalist. And that's the main reason that really I, I left the country and, and I'm trying to settle myself in South Florida and with with a mindset of monitoring what's going on back at home and help in any way I could. Yeah, I and we're going to get to that because right now there's a lot of unrest. Um, but I think I'm glad that you told that story because I honestly, people that are not from Haiti or, or have any connection, they think Port-au-Prince. That's what they think because that's what we hear about, right? And I actually have a friend. Um, he sent me where is Del Delmas Delmas three. Delma, Delma. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that S is silent at the end. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, Delma, Delma three. Yeah. So he, Delma. Um, that's where he, so he explained kind of his growing up there, and it's, it's, mm-hmm. it sounds similar to what you're describing as a very much a farm life and very much a, we don't really have much, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's not going to be the resources or the infrastructure. So it, mm-hmm. it provides just a very different view of it's an entire, it's an entire uh, country. That has different places, not just Port-au-Prince. Port-au-Prince is the center of anything that's going wrong with Haiti, basically. So from any spe- any point of view, you can take economy, you can take politics, you can take insecurity, you can take anything that's going wrong with the country, that's everything starts Port-au-Prince. It's like everything is so congested, so con- concentrated in that s- and then it's a small place. It, today, you're talking about a population of about 3 million people. But then when he was, that place was funded by the colonists, by France. France. And, and then in 1749, it was designed for about 250,000 people. And then it's not, it has not been extended. It's the same, very same place from 1749. So any extension is a de facto extension by the force of the nature, but it's not based on a project, a vision for social economic development. Well, 
And so, so on this note, and this is, this is probably a loaded question, but this is one of the questions that um, one of my good friends was interested in how you would answer. So, so your work, just start by saying this, your work focuses a lot on helping people first understand history as a way for us to understand the current circumstances. Yes. So um, the question he has, and again, forgive my accent here, but no he wants problem. to know um, how you think Haiti went from being considered la perle des Antilles. La perle des Antilles. Le de per okay. The Pearl of the West Indies for English yes. speakers um, yes. to the version because that of just the name itself is is a vision, right? It's something yes. beautiful, something like a gem Yes. to the version of Haiti that we see today. What would you say to that? How do you think we came here, came to this? Uh, uh, from a, from a uh, historical perspective, it, it's, it, it's very simple. It's not complicated to understand. Okay. Um, First, you need to look at the struggle, the Haitian struggle from, from the, the, the revolt, the fight for independence, all the way to where we, we are today. So, um, La Perle des Antilles, the Perle of the Antilles, so it's basically the version of the colonists, the version of, of Haiti pre-independence. Okay, that's when 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 you have all the imperial powers, all the colonial powers, occupy the island. We understand. So Haiti, we're talking about, is not just this western part, which is the Republic of Haiti as we know it today. So Haiti, we're talking about as the pearl, la perle des Antilles, is is the island. So the the basically. The Westerners, um, the, the the Western empires call Hispaniola, which is Haiti, uh, as we know it today. On the western side of it is one third of the island, and then the other two third is the eastern part of the island, which is Dominican Republic today. So, as a whole, that's the penalty. And then that's that was responsible for about 60 to 70% of coffees, you know, um, uh, uh, sugar, uh, sugar cane, um, uh, plantains, and all these, you know, agricultural crops that was exported to Europe at the time, before 1804. So because of, and then not counting, so the minerals, all kind of goals and, you know, all these kind, kind of, uh, our rare earth materials, minerals, they were exploiting on the island. So it was really making Europe rich. So that's the reason why it, called, it was called Pearl Desantier. So now, fast forward to 1804, after we fought, so I say we, my ancestors, so those Africans, you know, tie and brought to, 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 the, to the island to work and firstly, they are slave in a very harsh, with a very harsh conditions. And then they fought the most powerful army on earth at, at the time. We compare the Napoleon Bonaparte army. You will compare that army, the French army at the time, as the U.S. army today, if you put it in perspective. So these enslaved people, so found the strength, the unity necessary to fight without, with, I'll say, little to 
no military training, and then defeating the most powerful army in the end. And then at some, so, to some extent, it's not just the Napoleon army, because, okay, on the Western part, that's what was going on. There was a French colony called Saint-Domingue, and then that's where all the, the huge battles started, and then this is what history recorded as the main revolution. But you had Spain, so the same enslaved uh, uh, group, about 800,000 people in total for, in forced slavery, uh, forced labor, uh, we call it slavery. I mean, that's what it was. Um, so fought not only the French army, but also fought Spain, fought Great Britain, fought all this Western colonial power at the, at the time. So to free themselves and then create what I call in my book a world map for humanity, for all, all um, exploited, um, all oppressed people in the world, in the entire world. And then that's, in, in that context, you need to understand why Haiti is what it is today because it's become a shining light a shining object after 1804 for liberation of oppressed people. So those imperial power, it was, you know, basically you know, extending their power everywhere in the world. So you're talking about the, the, main, the, the main players, Great Britain, the U.S., uh, France, Germany, um, Italy. So all these major powers. So they did all they could to suppress Haiti, suppress what that information about how Haiti, that, that tiny place, that, you know, it, about 800,000 people to a million people, because we had a, about a two, between 2 and 5% of mixed race uh, 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 group who joined the black slaves. We call them mulatto because... They, they, in, in, in our vernacular, is a, mila, a mulatto is a mulatto is, is someone of a mixed race, either from a, a black, a black slave, a male black slave, to a, a white woman from Europe, or vice versa, a, a, a white man from Europe and then a, a, a black, a black uh, uh, woman, but all slave. You know, domesticated. I mean, domestic uh, workers and and slavery and bondage and all hot anyhow you call it at the time for what the history recorded. So, they for some reason, one reason or the other, they will have some kind of you know activities that will that will that that will. For, favor or, or allow procreations of a child, this is the who, who is not black or neither white. So that client we will call it in our culture, in our system, we call it mulatto. So these people, they will feel like, okay, they in the fight because they, they, they were considered as second class citizen in the colony. Because in the colony, this, the, 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 the structure was the white first, the mulatto second, and then this slave third to nothing. So that, that was the, the colonial structure. And then, so they feel like, okay, they're setting right. 
the white people has. They say, oh, my dad have that, my mom has that, I have to have it too. So they feel like, okay, we have a common enemy here, is the white people. So we have to, you know, enjoy in that fight. So they, 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 they basically, after the kidnapping of Toussaint Louverture, the, one of the precursor of the uh, fight for independence, so the, front, the, the Napoleon, Napoleon uh, Bonaparte army uh, kidnapped him at some point, and then you know they you know incarcerated him in France uh, for the Jour prison, and then from there he died. So the the the, 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 the all the fighters they realized that we have to do quicker. We have to change strategies in the fight, and then that's at the point all these mulattoes join the black. Um, Black fighters, revolutionaries, and then though, from uh, after like thirteen, some twelve to thirteen years. I mean, eleven to twelve years of really uh, brutal uh, fights. The 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 in eighteen o three, November eighteen eighteen o three, there was a major battle, and then from there we practically defeated France, and then from there. So 1804, from 18, November 1803 to, to um, January, 1st January 1804, we declare independence. Because now, now we'll basically get rid of all those imperial forces, armies and that was spread around the island to fight, to try to, to conserve, to keep the, the jewels, which is Hispaniola, which is Haiti, which is the Pearl of Antel. So, and then from there, we have the birth of Haiti, and then little by little, we spread from the west side to the east side. It become one island, the island of Haiti, and then mismanaged by the forefathers. And then the, we we have we split the island got split again at some point in eighteen eighteen forty three. So you have you that's that's give birth to the Dominican Republic. And then we, you have Haiti on the west side, and then Dominican Republic. You still have the Republic of Haiti on the west side, and Dominican the Republic on in the on the eastern side. So that's basically how people can understand why we have what we have today, and then come from a, 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 a jewels like everybody, a shining object that everybody wants a piece of, and then we become what we become today, like. Almost a laughing stock, like people thinking that. But that's all. I mean, I don't think we laughing stock, but a lot of people think that way. Yeah, and I think so. As you're describing this, I think you're right. I think if we just boil it down to simple terms, it went from a "I have control and this is my beauty because I get to take from it as I want" to "Oh, whoops, they they beat us out, and so now." It's almost like the modern version of cancel culture. And I know that sounds strange, but it's like we want to diminish you because you beat us. So we're now going to pretend that you are not worthy because we no longer have control over that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's so true, as I said. Let me, let, me, let me give you an illustration, okay? So you, the U.S., even though it's not the same, it's not the same um, context, the U.S. independence and Haiti's independence. U.S. became became independence in 1776. Haiti 
1804. How, how many years a difference is that? So we would be like two sister nations, so fighting for freedom, for equality, for unity, you know, moving along side by side, one support the others. And so that, that's what you would think, right? But Hades was the one who showed the U.S. we, could, we, we, we need to do this because the Haitian fighters, they, they came here. They, they, they fought along U.S. soldiers against France, against Great Britain, and Louisiana, and, and in Georgia. They did. But, you know, officially, diplomatically, the U.S. never, never, they had never recognized Haiti as a sister nation, as an independent country from 1804 until, they didn't do it until 1862. You see how many years that passed? Why? Because first, it was not in their interest because they still have slavery here. If they do that, automatically they will, Haiti will an opening, an eye opening to what two people here understanding what's going on and then how they can get rid of slavery here. So they will be, it will, it will, that will be not in the, you know, the system, they, the system they establish here, that would be not in the, in the sister's favor, in the system interest. So they will pretend that Haiti doesn't exist. And another thing is, okay, how they, they, they still, even though they, they fought Great Britain for England for independence, it's about the same people. I mean, it's not, it's like you, you look at the U.S. history. If you go deep into it, you see that, okay, that's a compromise, okay? It's not a real revolution. The real revolutions, that's what happened in Haiti, and it never happened anywhere else. We take South America, take everywhere. He, Haitian soldiers went to Venezuela to help, to help Simon Bolivar to fight for freedom. So all these. But in, 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 at the end, even though they free some countries, like Colombia, the great Colombia, so it's the, you know, all these different places in South America, in Argentina, anywhere, Bolivia. But at some point, it's become a compromise. Say, okay, oh, we give up. You're free. It's always like that. You go any other country in the Caribbean, like Jamaica, Trinidad and Tobago, anywhere else. And then that's why some of them still part of the Commonwealth on the, the Great Britain Empire. Because it's just a compromise. It's not like a, a real blood and sweat type of revolution to reverse a system and then overthrow a whole system and then make a new country. That's never happened anywhere else except in Haiti. Though, so all these things, and since the U.S. had, you know, to, sh- to, to stay connected diplomatically with all, all the other powers, so it, would, it wouldn't be in their interest to show that they with Haiti. So they have to isolate Haiti, even though if there is a back channel that, you know, there's, they're still doing, like, trades, in hiding, in, a, in the dark, I would say. There's some back channels. You still have U.S. U, US business, you know, doing, they're doing the trading on the, you know, on the ground, on some, some sort. And then they're still getting help from Haiti, you know, military-wise. But they were recognized officially for, to say hey, to the world, hey, this is an independent country, free country, and then we need to, trade with, we need to do business with, etc. That never happened until 1862. Two words, control 
and fear. I think yes. that 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 those two words can tell us a lot about the behaviors. And and I want to jump to the economy piece a little bit, uh, which actually happened before um, the date that you just mentioned. But I recently found myself using this phrase a lot. Uh, freedom isn't free, right? No. So I think this phrase applies very directly to the Haitian experience because let's talk about France gaining your liberation in 1804 and them, I don't know, having a temper tantrum in 1820, I don't know what the date was, 1820 something and demanding... Oh, uh, the ransom. Extor yeah. Extortion. Extortion. Okay. So can you talk about yeah, how... They call that... it indemnity, but it is nothing to do with indemnity. No, it's an extortion. that was their they temper tantrum. The Haitian government. That's uh, 1821 to between 1821 and 1822. And then that extortion's money um, was not finished, paid for until 1841 or 42, if I'm not mistaken. If I, uh, it isn't in my book, but I uh, probably forget the exact date they finished paying for the, that ransom. But to me, it's an assault, okay? Regardless, I hear, I hear a lot. I mean, recently uh, I saw uh, some kind of series, documentary series by the New York Times, like talking a lot about it, like it's something we, they just discovered from the from the from the heaven, and nobody knew about it, and so on. I was so pissed when I saw that. A lot of things they say and that is not true, and it's not the real fact. Um, I call I I, I say it's, it's an insult. First of all. They weren't some for that freedom, for that independence already get paid full, fair and square on the battlefield and the battlefield. Okay? To Desalin Sweat, Christophe Sweat, Pete Strong, Pry, whoever, I mean Capuala Mor, Francois, you name it. Okay? To Selovetius, death. Okay? So with blood the, the our ancestors' blood and sweat. That's how they paid. Sweat in the field, in the plantation, for all the brutality, brutality of slavery. That's part of the ransom they already paid. And then move to the revolution, to, to, the, to, to this uh, uh, slave movement for revolutions, where a lot of them died because they, that brutal Napoleon army, brutal Spain army, brutal British army, fighting on that piece of island to keep it, under colony control, colonization control. So all these things for years, so we paid it already. But now, so you need to look at the context of that extortion. First of all, who was, why they couldn't get that during the Duvali, I mean, um, Desalin regime. Jean-Jacques Desalin, the first, uh, head of state of Haiti after independence in 1804. So unfortunately, he got assassinated two years later, a little over two years later, after 1804, the declaration of independence. But during his two years, everyone was afraid of Haiti. No one, no, no empire will, will, will even dare to think about reinvading the country, okay? They wouldn't even think about asking for indemnity to recognize Haiti as an independent country. They would never, they would never dare, okay? Decided to get assassinated by a group of people, a few people in their leadership. And these people 
are the one who negotiated that indemnity with with the France, with the French government. Okay, we talking about Jean Pierre Boyer. Jean Pierre Boyer was a mulatto. Okay, it's 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 a tiny group, tiny elite. In the military army, back, back then, after right after independence, everyone the head of state in the military, from military, it's it's, it's it's the one from the army because the country to understand the context of 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 government in Haiti, you need to see how did we get the independence and then and then who rules. See, it's all military, someone with the military background. That's all all along until very late in the deep into the twentieth century. And then you start having the civilian as head of state. Okay? So, uh, Boye was a mulatto. I mean, his, his father was French. So, in the mind of this tiny elite, the mulatto elite, is like, okay, we can find a better common ground to deal with our own ancestor on that halfway, half side of ourselves. And then, rule over these black people. Okay. Okay. So to me, it's it's more. I, I never I never seen it in any book I read about the Haitian history. But when I'm I'm trying to make a, a better understanding of what's going on, I see I see this deep from my heart. I I, I, I comprehend it. Like, okay, that's a compromise this guy make to get recognition by his own father at the expense. Of well-being of the country, well-being of the entire population, and we suffer, we suffer, we suffer, we suffer. We never get recovered from it. And I think that's so. It feels like kind of a wash and repeat cycle that just keeps happening because there, there was, and and I do want to. We'll address this part, and then I want to move to some super positive stuff because there is a lot of negative history, but there is also a lot of beauty in Haiti. But I, before yes. we jump into that, the the wash and repeat cycle. So there was some positive movement, and then over the last few years, there's been a significantly negative downturn. So do you have thoughts on what caused the uprising of so many like actual gangs, groups of gangs terrorizing their own people in Haiti? It, it is structural. Okay. Okay. A lot, what, a lot of things um, socially or economically happening in Haiti. A lot of time, people see, people look at it. They look, at, they look at it the wrong way. Usually, people will try to manage uh, an effect instead of the cause of the problem. They look at the effects. They look at the consequences. But you cannot manage consequences. You, you have to, you know, look at things in in the context of what's going to happen before it happens. You prepare yourself, you plan ahead to prevent things to happen. Once it's happening and then now it's like, okay, a fire, so I need to find the the fire trucks to extinguish the fire. But the extinguishing the fire doesn't resolve the problem. It's like it's like a band-aid solution. You're sick, you 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 land at the emergency room. And the emergency room from there, so they try to give you a, a, some pill, something to manage the pains for, for low. But then, then until you go to the root cause of that sickness, so you carry it forever. <laughs> you will still you so you come from is that cas- 
cascading. You, you just come from this issue and then you end up in another issue, you create another problem. You create, that's, that's how things go, didn't go in Haiti. So the main problem is, is it is a system that is been put in place after the assassination of this Allen in, in, in the 17 October 1806. Since 1806, the military leaders, they managed to create a system, to put a system in place. Some people will look at it as it's today and say by default. But it's not by default if you design it that way. Okay? It's, it's something designed to oppress the majority. So anything Haiti has to offer in terms of beauty, in terms of resources, in terms of anything good in Haiti. So it's like, okay, you don't deserve it yourself. We deserve it because it's, it's inheritance from our father or mother. But you, if you need to, to find, if you need to enjoy anything great, you need to go to Africa to find it. That's the mentality. And then that creates a society, a system, design a system that where you will fight very hard, that be terribly hard to succeed on it. And then that's why, so everywhere you go, when... If you're black, you come from Haiti, and then they see you have a little bit of education. So you can, you, you manage to be, quote-unquote, successful. And then people will like, think that you're not from Haiti and you're lying or something. I went to study in Europe, and when I, when I got lent to Oxford, the first time, first, first person I met, they asked me where I'm from. I said Haiti, and then they like, think in a minute where Haiti is and what kind of country I'm talking about. Because you, for, you know, I say Haiti, though, you say Tahiti. No, not Tahiti. This is Haiti. It's right there in the, in the heart of the Caribbean. So you have to explain yourself, explain yourself, explain yourself. That means, like, either you don't exist as a country, or if you exist, you shouldn't be here. It's negative, yeah. Yeah, you shouldn't be here. How you get here? How can you get here? Mm. So it is, it's the same. So, so that's the system that designed. It's designed for a minority few. Mm-hmm. So the majority will have it the very hard way. So either blood, tears, and you know, tears and sweat, and, and, and or you never get it. So it's that, it's, it is in that context to understand all the socials and you know, all the political struggles and social struggles and economic struggles that Haiti face. And then from time to time, you see you know, those unrest, you see protests everywhere because people get fed up. They get fed up with the system. they design to fail them from get-go. Let me give you an example, okay? Let's take school education. Our, our education system is, a, is an imported system from Europe designed to fail a child from the day you enter the school, okay? I'm talking a child. I'm talking about a child from the majority, the 90-some percent black people. Because Haiti is, is the, the, one of the founding fathers, this island say to him, Haiti is essentially black. Essentially black. So it's generically black. So it doesn't matter if you're mulatto, if you, you have a less than 1% white people, they spared from the, from, uh, from the time they're expelling all the white out of the colony to become independent. So they spare a few people that could help we build the country. So it doesn't matter who you are. So you, you're part of a black country, you're black. That's, 
that's the idea. <laughs> I mean, to have a to find a symbiosis, a kind of a unity that will help us survive from what the colonial powers they intended to do with the place. But this this tiny group didn't see it that way. So they right from get go two years they assassinated this island so they can establish that system and then when establish it. So from that time in 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 eighteen eighteen sixty we signed an agreement with the Vatican, the Holy See um, agreement, where we give the Catholic Church, the Catholic religion, the the monopoly of everything on Haiti, from um, religions per se, to education, to economic system, to everything. Okay, so from there they come in, they come up with the this uh, kind of um, uh, Christian education system, where where the monopoly of the education is really is, is delegated to this uh, congregation. So they they are uh, uh, Christian. Uh, they call Fred Elisukso Christian. The Christians Brothers Educations, something like that. Um, that will establish how they, you know, how do you teach, what the method methodology, the vision for education, so all that. So, which is basically a very um, a system that disenfranchises the majority of people. So it's only it's it's there to serve the minority elite, so that who sit, who, who who had who, who had seen themselves as Europeans. More, but but uh, what they do, they isolate their uh, black cultures, you know, tra- traditions, all the traditions from Africa, from anything that defines the essence of these people, get isolated, see it as superstitions, as you know, call it voodoo, they call it all these kind of things. So to make you believe that is bad, and then, you know, get it out of the society, and then so embrace the European culture. So all the, the whole education system is based on that, a system of discrimination, prejudice, um, racism. So all, you, you, you name it. So the, and then it's to this day, this system is implemented so well that it survived all the turbulence. So that's why I call in my book, I, 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 in, in my introductions in the book, I, I, I compare the Haiti as a, as a very old forest. Well, made, but that forest is not a naturally implanted. It's not naturally designed. It, it's, 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 it's man-made. But with all the trees in that forest, they capriciously planted in the forest to serve no purpose than dividing, you know, creating anything that will favor the minority, but at the expense of the majority. And then despite all this... So big, you know, hurricanes and forests and those old trees, home over 200 years later, they're still there. They never die. And then they refuse to die. This is what people don't like when we talk about systems. And it's true, though. It, it's, it's a what you describe as a very intentional and well-built, while unfortunate, but well-built system that is continuing to put the country and the people of the country in a disposition that's not favorable for them. Yes. So me, me, to me, I, I'm, I'm this kind of person that I, I don't see history that something some, someone should sit down and 
you know, dwell on it and keep with me, you know, litigating and all this. I don't see it that way. I see it as an opportunity to look at what was wrong and then what we can take advantage of to build a better future. That's how I look at history. But then it looks like we never learn that way in Haiti. So there's some things in our mind, in our mindset, in our you know, psyche that is not favorable of doing just that, to move beyond and, pro, and, and progress from there. So that's, in, in that context, I, I, I feel like I'm, I, I was compelled to write my book, see how some light can be shared in the mind of Haitians, particularly, and anyone else. It doesn't matter nationality, weather form. If they, if they see Haiti as a, as a, you know, as a country, as, as a people where we need to support. So how the intervention, what, what kind of intervention they could have and then how they do it to benefit the progress. And I want to leave that as a cliffhanger because I know you have thoughts on specific thoughts on some things that can be done to propel positive a, a positive future and to change things around. But I want to tell people to go buy the book and learn more about that there. Um, so the last couple questions that I want to ask you to share on this podcast are one: What is your what's your favorite? memory of Haiti or maybe just your favorite piece of Haiti? My favorite piece of Haiti is the coastal line, all the beautiful beaches. That would be top. And then my second would be the mountains, the plateaus. We have two main plateaus in Haiti. So we have the central plateau on the eastern side of Haiti, close to Dominican, the, 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 the border with Dominican Republic. So where we have a giant river, the Tibonet River, that's, that river alone can electrify Haiti and then also be useful to agricultural lands for national production. And also, I would say all the rivers. I know that, I mean, I travel the world. I know there's a lot of countries that would love to have what Haiti has. But then, unfortunately, they don't. And then we were blessed. We blessed with those. We have about 40 major rivers in Haiti. They're flowing, streaming into the ocean. You're looking at it. That's a perfect beauty. It's been, there's, the area I'm from, Mont Saint-Nicolas, you have the, the, a river called La Gorge. La Gorge is a full-blown, you know, streaming river into the ocean into the Atlantic Oceans. And then we were, this is close to the windward pa- passage that, that, that split us with Cuba. So you have that river just flowing, streaming full force into, into the oceans. You're looking at it. That's a beauty. So all these things, these are things that I remember when I was a kid and die, you know, diving into the river and from one side and then, and then uh, you know, rise up on, on the other side into the ocean. So I would just go with the river flow and then end up rising up uh, in the ocean at the beach. So a lot of places would like to have things like that. They don't. We have, we have so, many, um, rich, you know, so many falls. That's natural beauty, extraordinary beauty for excursion, for excursions, for hiking, for, you know, you name it. It really is the Pearl of the West Indies, just not yeah, yeah, yeah. for the reasons that the 
Europeans wanted it. To yeah, be. European call it like that. That's why we Haitian, the, the true Haitian, would refuse to call it Pelde. Okay, so we won't. The call connotation, it. because the, I mean, it's fine because as long as you understand the context, yeah. But it's just like the context they call it is the context of exploitation. So we don't we don't want to go back to that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So are you ready for the final three questions? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. All right. So the first one is um, I like to have the guests leave the listeners with kind of an action item, right? We've we've heard a little bit of your story. They have an option, you know, we'll make sure they have links to get the book so they can learn more about that. But what's in what's one thing that everyone listening can do today? Just a small thing to experience their own piece of Haitian culture. Uh, wow, this is a difficult question to me, but um, I'm trying to be vulnerable on this. <laughs> Travel to Haiti. Travel? Travel to Haiti. Okay. Don't listen. Don't listen to people to tell you it's a dangerous place, it's insecure, it's unsafe, it's a lie. Of course there's issues, especially in the capital city and port au but Haiti is probably the safest place in the Caribbean. Look at any statistics. How many people die to violence, to crime, you know, high crimes. And so compare Haiti with anyone. Pick any other country in the Caribbean. So you find Haiti have less. The, the only issue is whenever you have political violence in Puerto Rico, so whatever unrest, you know, burning tires on the street and so on and so on. So the, the mainstream media amplified so much that you think that this place, there's no life. But then, then you never see a report where they tell you there's 1,000 bodies laying on the street of Puerto Prince this morning. We woke up, we found 250 people lie on the side of the street dead with gunfire or anything. You never heard a major uh, mass shooting anywhere in Haiti. That never happened. Okay. Some one person kidnapped, maybe so to a so some kind of <laughs> political thing is or deal set up or uh, a drug trafficking deals or whatever or someone yeah there's a different you can take you you can take diff, different factors that causing uh, kidnappings or, or or anything so or political violence or anything but. That's not the norm. That's not what defines Haitians. I, I, was, I was born and raised in a place where you can leave your door open three, four days, everybody's out. And then when you come back, you don't, you don't miss a thing. Somebody sees that they could go and then close the door for you. And then it's still like that up today. We live over 200, almost 220 years after independence. We don't have a big army. We don't have a, a well-professional, well-trained police. And then even though if you have a few well, well-trained uh, law enforcement uh, personnel, they're not, they, they're not so many. They're not enough to cover the whole country. You probably have one police officer for like every 10,000 people. So How, see, If we were so violent, we were, it, it was so unsafe, how this, how um, um, you know, more than 11 million people still living in there, and then you don't find thousands of dead every morning. Oh, tell oh, me, well. tell me, tell me if the U.S. <laughs> doesn't have a strong law enforcement system here, what would happen? Oh yeah, I don't want to think about that. So I, okay. I think that's a really so, good so point. So compare the two people, compare the two people 
you see someone over 200 almost 220 years we live in like that with no good uh, system law enforcement system people still living still breathing you know of course thousands of people live in the country uh, by you know from time to time migrate to other places but because of lack of opportunities and then sometimes the violence in the capital city is too is too too hard for them to handle so they're trying to find an escape okay find a place where they can have probably a better opportunity to work haitians want to work hard they want they want to earn what they have they don't want to beg anybody to give them anything but they want opportunities they want a, a, a level playing field so for an action item because travel i love it but travel yes. is big it's not small <laughs> so yes. can we can yeah. we can we invite them to maybe um find a haitian restaurant that's near them yeah that, that's the one I, I i was thinking about too so it's, 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 taste a little bit of haitian food what's find your favorite haitian, dish wherever. my favorite dish is 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 rice okay okay with uh, a, a cabaret cabaret is like a is is like it's like a steak okay um with goats meat yep and then plantain mm-hmm. fried plantain i had a uh, legume i made yeah. it actually Le- legume. Le- yeah legume legume you can have it with anything with uh, uh cornmeal well well rice or bulgur with anything yeah, any anything you can have legume with. Legume is one of one of one of the best too. And then there we have soup, soup, soup uh, made with a uh, um, with uh, uh, um, the color soup jumu, soup 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 jumu. It, it's it's made with squash. Okay, with all right. Quash. So yeah, food. Yeah. All right, everybody needs to go try yeah. some Haitian food because let me tell you, I haven't had yeah. I had a ton of it, but what I have had flavorful in a way. That and then and then music. Music. Okay. Compa. You go to like if someone from South Florida, so every year around 18, uh, May 18, because that's that's our, that's our flag day. So we have a Compa Festival where you have all these different bands, Haitian bands, and like uh, been traditional Haitian music. So this is this or like a dance type of rhythm uh, we call Compa. Haitian compadre, so yeah, this this is part of the culture. So you go there, you observe. You, if it, you, you it, it doesn't matter what. A national, what ethnic ethnicity you you form, and then when you get there, you can't stay still, not dancing this music. I'm telling you. Excellent. All right. What are five yeah. words that you would use to describe yourself? Independent-minded, open-minded. I'm I'm a dependable person. I'm loyal, and um, I'm resilient, and I have I have strong faith. Okay. And then I'm positive. Believe in the future. All very good things. I love it. All right, last thing. Where do you want people to go to connect with you, to stay in touch? If you have a website, social media, and where can they get your book? Uh, first, uh, primarily my website. It's, I, I have a website on my name, fitznelloctave.com. You go to fitznelloctave.com, so you find where. I have a chat room. I have, I have a contact forms people can fill out if they have questions for me, if they want to engage in a a longer conversation than what the lot of time they will, will spend on the chat room. So they can do that. Send me an email. I will reply. I respond it. I will respond every email people send me. Okay. And then uh, from there, they find a lot of things about Haiti. A lot of things. I have a lot of contents um, about Haiti in there. Positive, 
stuff because I, I don't I, I I don't want the negative. It's so many people already spreading the negative, so it's enough. So me, I prefer to use the positive. So and then my book there, you can order my book there. Good thing is I don't charge for shipping shipping when people buy the book from my website. And then um any other major uh, online retailer they go to, they will find they will find the book. So they can tap Haiti between pages. You go to Amazon.com, you tap in the, in the search menu, Haiti between pestilence and hope, it will come up there on the first page. See it. There you or there, or my name, my full name, Fritz Octave. You find it anywhere. Anywhere book book books are sold online. It'd be in the in the bounds. Barnes and Nobles, um, Amazon, uh, Google Books, Apple Books, anywhere. Anywhere in the world you are, you'll be able to find my book and, and order it from there. Okay, excellent. Well, I will make sure I'm going to link all of those in the show notes. So for everyone listening, go to the show notes. You can mm-hmm. click on all those links. For Snell, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. I very much appreciate it. And I appreciate the work that you're doing in spreading this information so that we can combat the negative. Hey, Heather. All I can say is thank you very much for having me. And I really enjoy your show and I appreciate the opportunity to talk to the world. Thank you so much for listening in today. I hope today's conversation with Fritz now kind of give you a new perspective and some food for thought regarding Haiti. Definitely grab the book, check the show notes for links on how to get that so you can learn even more. Don't forget that the thoughts and opinions that we expressed, they're our own. We encourage you to do your own research, reading, searching, and come to your own conclusions. Connect with Diversity on Fire on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Diversity on Fire. Click on the show notes to find the website for Fritz Now so you can keep in touch with him, read all of the resources and information he puts out for free, as well as grabbing his book. Don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you're listening now so you never miss an episode. Share the show with others so they can join in these important conversations. And until next time, don't forget to check your bias and keep the conversation going.